Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Business Podcast. I am your host, Eric Compton, a.k.a. Money Compton. This podcast is available on all platforms, wherever you're getting your podcast from. Make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure you leave that five stars, because anything less than that, you are a certified hater. You can find me on Instagram at Money Compton. You can also find me on the Twitterverse at S-P-O-R-T-Z-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S. You can also email the show at sportsbusiness at gmail.com. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl Sunday extravaganza that took place. We're also going to talk about a little bit of the NBA stuff that has taken place over the last weekend. And then we'll also go up and wrap things up with the NFL dummy of the day. But first things first, man, I threw a Super Bowl party this weekend or yesterday. And I must say, I got to pat myself on the back. I set myself a deadline on what time I was going to be done cooking. I gave myself about 15 minutes to spare, so pat myself on the back. We had a great time. We had good people over here, good food, good vibes, nothing but uh, a good time, really. I really wasn't on social media, so uh, really the entire day yesterday. Didn't really see what the Twitterverse was talking about, Instagram, Facebook, all that good jazz. I didn't, you know, I was, you know, if you was in my, if you was in my, my house, then you got to hear the real life takes as far as how I felt about the game, which was kind of cool. I was I felt like I was a little bit more engaged with the actual product of the game last night as opposed to when I'm on the Internet um, giving my thoughts on real time. So it gave me time to kind of marinate on things. And, you know, whoever was there, they kind of got to hear a couple of my takes that I was going to get uh, get cracking out here. So first things first, first of all. I was talking to my wife, Yvette, about this. I was like, man, the last couple of years, the Super Bowl commercials just ain't been hitting. And, and she brought up a good point. She was like, yo, ain't nobody really out here got cable all like that. So people ain't really watching commercials. So, you know, why you know, why, why are all these Doritos and Workday and all these other places really allocating all this money? Which, I mean, I'm pretty sure a 35-second ad for the Super Bowl is still hitting for about, I don't know, $7 million with inflation per second. To be ran, so I'm pretty sure they're still spending guap of money. But now them commercials don't be hitting on like they used to. You know, I saw the little, I think I saw uh, the Flash is, is trailer. I seen Fast and Furious. Like, I mean, okay, that's cool and all, but whatever. Like, but email the show. Let, let me know. Like, are y'all still into the Super Bowl commercials? Yes or no? Because I I, I kind of did away with them, and I'm not really paying too much attention to them. Or they're just lemon booty to me. But that's neither here or there. Let me know. Talk to me because I talk back. Now, as far as Rihanna, a.k.a. the Sith Trooper, some of y'all might need to Google what that is, but if y'all ain't into the Star Wars characters, that is the Red Storm Trooper that was in Star Wars uh, Last Jedi, I believe, Last Jedi. Yeah, she was the she was out here looking like the last Red Storm Trooper known to mankind. Now, I thought about this, and I thought about long and hard about how I was going to talk about this, because I haven't even really given my uh my official take about this nowhere nobody nobody knows what i'm about to say i didn't really go into detail to anybody about what i was going to do about the rihanna super bowl uh, uh 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 extravaganza per se now i'm gonna say this and i know i'm about to get lit up like a christmas tree cool she was prego congratulations you know you get a golf clap 
Um, outside of the simple fact that you look like you was on a, the, the hardest level of Super Mario. Um, I felt like the San Francisco 49ers, they wanted to be out there more than Rihanna. Like, what... Who, what did Jay-Z think about asking Rihanna, who ain't performed, who ain't dropped a song in over 10 years, let alone an album? And if we keeping it a buck, ooh, I know I'm about to catch hell for this. Rihanna ain't nothing but a female version of Nate Dogg. Ooh, that's right. Pipe bomb, here we go. I'm going to go over her a little, a couple of her songs. She got a song with Drake, Work, okay? She got a song with Kendrick Lamar, Featured. Umbrella, featuring Jay-Z. Um, what else we got out here? Love song featuring Future. Um, she got another song with SZA. She got another song with Drake. Um, she on she on she on the Live Your Life with Ti. Um, she got another song with Jay Z and and Kanye West. Like, I I don't know too much about Rihanna, but I see every time I hear all the Rihanna club bangers, I mean, she featuring. She got she can't do a solo. She got to have people up on there. She got a song with C Breezy. Like, I don't understand what the whole, the phenomenon is outside of the fact that she out here making draws and, and, and makeup. Like, she might want to just stick to just making draws and makeup because she ain't dropped a song in over 10 years. And the song that she did for the Black Panther, I mean, if we keep it in the buck, that song is trash. So, um, I'm not going to go too hard on her. But, yeah, I probably wish I would have seen the San Francisco 49ers with no quarterback out there jumping up and down on them, uh, them uh, Super Mario different leveling stages i mean they had a couple of cool camera tricks i'm pretty sure they used a drone to to get some of those angle shots but for the most part i mean did she look like she wanted to be out there i mean keep it a buck did she look like she was happy to be out there i mean i, I don't know I, I just didn't feel like it was all that like it's just not me anyways neither here or there thank god that that's that that the the halftime show was lemon booty because the actual game was really, really, really good. Was it the best Super Bowl of all time? I'm not going to get caught up in a moment, but I will say this. We are witnessing Michael Jordan play the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, Pat Mahomes is Michael Jordan. And, and, and my boy Ricky, who was sitting next to me at the game, while we were watching the game, when Pat Mahomes rolled up that ankle, he said, you know, he, you know, Pat Mahomes is out here grieving and griving and throwing his helmet down and looked like he needed to get shot up with, with some type of Novocaine to, to dull the pain out. And, and he said, you know, I don't know too much about ankle injuries, but uh, my man pulling the LeBron James antic where he, he he looks a little traumatic right now. I was like, oh, yeah, probably. But it made me think about another way. And I, I felt like this was his version of the Michael Jordan flu game. He had a lot of adversity with the ankle injury. Got it rolled up against Jacksonville. He kind of played on one leg he two weeks ago, and then he's playing on another bum. You know, he re-aggravates the injury again. And, and, and I was like, oh, he, he going to be out here. Like, this going to be either his, it's going to be, he going to be infamous or he going to be, or he's going to go down as a hero. And, and, and he, he, he sucked it up in the, in the second half, especially in that third quarter where they were down by, oh, I think it was 10 points going into halftime. They were able to come out. They ran the ball with uh, Freddie Pacheco. Um, I think Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco, Freddie Pacheco, I think was a baseball player, but they had Pacheco. He was out here able to run, pound that rock a little bit in the second half. Mahomes, I mean, he was second in the second on the team with 40 some odd yards, including that crucial 26 yard scamper that he had that set the team up to get for that game winning field goal drive as well. Field goal kick, I should say. So they had a, they, it was a really, really good game. Um, the thing about it is, yes, that was probably Pat Mahomes' Michael Jordan flu game where he had so much adversity. And I'm going to name just some of these people that he threw the ball to. Uh, they got a guy named Justin Watson, Jarek McKinnon, Noah Gray, Kadarius Tony only had one catch for a touchdown, Sky Moore, 
Marquez Valdez Scantling only had a target. Um, Jody Fortson. Like, if Pat Mahomes didn't make the playoffs, you ought to have been like, yo, he played with a whole bunch of bums. Um, that's not me not even naming Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster, who isn't really what he once was, but he played a very prominent role yesterday. He had a pretty good game with seven catches with 53 yards. But, I mean, if you're looking at these these names, like, you'd have been like, yo, Pat Mahomes out here playing with a whole bunch of bums. Now, and that's where I say this was the Michael Jordan flu game. And so now that, you know, we're this is Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. Everyone's talking about, is Pat Mahomes the greatest quarterback or greatest really quarterback football player of all time i'm gonna say this tom brady has seven super bowl rings tom brady is going to be the bill russell of the nfl i don't know like it's just a mythical figure it's like bigfoot like you know who he is you heard about him you've seen him a couple of times and he just vanishes like it's just you know and I feel like that's what Tom Brady is. I feel like seven Super Bowl rings is really just the number. That's just, it's not going to be able to be, get caught. The same thing with Bill Russell's 11 championship rings in the NBA. There's nobody that's going to even gonna get close to that. Um, you know, I think Jordan was six. I think that's the next one that was close. So you're talking about six. So, you know, six is probably the benchmark in the modern day NBA. Tom Brady is the same thing. Seven, I don't even think Pat Mahomes is going to get that high. So you got to start seeing what Pat Mahomes gets. And then we're going to say, whatever Pat Mahomes, when it's all said and done, if Pat Mahomes gets more than four championship rings, if he gets five, if he gets four or more, that's going to be the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Like, my man is out here playing quarterback. I mean, if you even think, I mean, and the cool part about it is the Super Bowl that he has lost against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might have been his greatest performance in a losing effort. I mean, he out here coming up with the no-look passes, the scrambles where he looks like he's going to take off and run, but doesn't really take off and run and still is able to flip the ball. And they are here throwing hook shots and he's doing things that we have never, ever seen done before. And not to mention, my man has a bazooka for an arm. I mean, I'm pretty sure he can easily launch the ball anywhere between 65 to 70 yards, <clears throat> not even on a one hopper. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when I say that, that was Pat Mahomes is a flu, flu game uh, game right there. That's exactly what I mean. Now, on the flip side of the ball, the cold part about Pat Mahomes' Jordan flu game was that uh, my man Jalen Hurts possibly might have outplayed Pat Mahomes yesterday. If you take away that fumble, Jalen Hurts had 15 carries for 70 yards, which was leading the team from rushing, tied for the most rushing touchdowns with Terrell Davis with three rushing touchdowns, and also threw for over 300 yards with a touch with a, with a dime to A.J. Brown. I mean, my man was out here throwing dots to, to Devontae Smith, his former college teammate. That uh, catch by Goddard, oh man, that was it was a great catch. I mean, if you look at all of the throws that Jalen Hurts threw and all the catches, they were on the money to the point where he looked like he was just a surgeon out there, just slight putting people through through that work. I mean, they was out here looking like Swiss cheese, man. He really shredded up the Chiefs defense to the point where I just, I mean, I've seen Jalen Hurts play. But I don't think I've ever seen him play at that level. Now, some people can say, well, man, he got nothing but ballers with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. But, yeah, he still got to throw the ball and make those plays for them to get the ball. Does it help that he can kind of loft a couple of those balls up like that A.J. Brown touchdown? I mean, granted, A.J. Brown was able to catch it and track, track the ball down. But, man, he still got to throw the ball. That's the thing. Same thing when he was at Alabama. I mean, yeah, he had Devontae Smith. He had Henry Ruggs III. He had Jalen Waddle. He had all those dudes. But he still got to make the ball. You know, he still got to put the ball in those places for them boys to be able to work. It's not like my man was only throwing, 
you know, five-yard little dink and dunk plays, and they're just nothing but yards after catches. Like, he was out here driving the ball down the field. I think Pat Mahomes' longest throw attempt was 20-some-odd yards. I think the pass to A.J. Brown was like 40-some yards. So, just that alone just kind of shows you the dynamics of how deep uh, Jalen Hurts was throwing the ball. And, and, you know, if you if, if anybody has any questions about Jalen Hurts, I hope you I hope you I mean, if you still hating on this man, you're just in denial how good this dude is and how much better he wants to be, because my man clearly outperformed Pat Mahomes yesterday. Now, let's go on to the part where everyone's talking about the controversial call with the holding on uh, Bradbury, the defensive holding on Bradbury. Here's my thing. Is that defensive holding? Yes. Should that flag been been dropped at the time? No. I don't think so. And here's the part. I know Bradbury came out on the presser and was like, yeah, I held him. I grabbed on his jersey. He thought he can get away with it. And, I, and he's right. He's right. He, he's absolutely right. He probably thought he can get away with it. You know why? Because he was getting away with it the entire game. That wasn't the first time. There was another play that he threw to Juju Smith-Schuster, or Pat Mahomes throws to Juju Smith-Schuster, and it was an incomplete pass. And Juju was very, very adamant. And he was like, yo, where's the flag? Didn't get no type of love. Now, with that being said, here's the way I think how, here's the way I understand why the flag, I, I got it. This is where I got beef with the flag being thrown. And I'm going I'm to walk you through. Bradbury goes, yo, I, I, I held him. Yeah, he was holding him all game. Usually, as a DB, you can try to, you kind of gauge to see what, how much you're going to get away with in the early, the preliminary stages of the game. You're going to get up, you know, you're going to do a couple of press coverages. You're going to see what you can get away with. You might get that defensive holding. That's your best case scenario. The worst case scenario is you get a pass interference for like 25, 30 yards. But you knew, you know, at that, that, at that point, if they're not calling it, your chances of you not, the chances of you getting called for that penalty late in the later stages of the game, is probably going to be slim and none. And that's probably what he thought was that, yo, I've been getting away with it all game long. Like, why well, I got to sit here and worry about it now? That's my only issue is that they didn't call not one single offensive holding, didn't call not one single pass interference. Why are we waiting until 147 left in the game to call that one defensive holding? It just seemed a little wonky to me that the refs all of a sudden wanted to start being low-key involved in the game. You had let them play for damn near 58 minutes of the game, and now you want to drop that flag? That's the part where I'm just like, eh. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know if I'd have threw that flag. Philadelphia Eagle fans, if they feel in some type of way, I mean, I don't know. I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking them at all. If they feel like they got jobbed or they got hosed a little bit, I feel it. They're totally entitled to feeling that way because it does, the perception does seem like, you know what I'm saying? The refs kind of got involved at the wrong minute, at the last minute when they hadn't been involved in the entire game. So, it's just a bad situation. It was just a bad break that, you know, Bradbury thought that he probably could get away with one more. And, you know, worst case scenario, even if they, let's just say the penalty, they, they didn't get the defensive holding. More than likely, Harrison Buckner kicks the field goal. They're up by three. You got two timeouts. Yeah, it was third down. So you got two timeouts left to kind of see if you could drive that ball down the field. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you all would have won the game, but it does. There is that what if in the back of everyone's mind where it's like, man, I wish, you know, they had the ball to see what ended up happening. But it didn't happen and such is life so do i think the eagles will be back very very soon in a stacked afc east division i don't know how good the commandos are going to be next year they got to figure out who their quarterback is going to be i think they're a quarterback away the giants i think their schedule is going to be tougher next year and i don't know what they're going to i don't i don't see them being able to keep 
uh, Danny Nichols as well as uh, Saquon Barkley unless Saquon goes on a contract or goes out of the franchise tag. I just don't see that happening. Or I, I, I don't know if I'm Saquon if I'd accept that as on a one-year deal, especially the way things are being played out. So I don't know how good the Giants are going to be. I think, really honestly, the Dallas Cowboys got one more year within this window to try to figure out what they're going to do with Dak Prescott. They may rework the deal. They may just if they don't rework his deal, that kind of it's kind of a good indication that he's probably on his last leg. So if they don't figure things out, they're probably going to go into re rebuild mode very very soon and and probably move on from Dak Prescott. So if you're asking me who's the most solid team right now in the NFC East, it's probably the Eagles. I don't know. I, I'm just the other three teams are just too volatile and just too unpredictable for me to be like, oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna give the the Eagles will run for their money. Now, they're probably going to play in a tougher division. Their schedule is going to be a lot more tougher than what it was this year. So you have to play that, put, put that in consideration. Jalen Hurts is clearly not healthy. I mean, even that last throw, he he, he was short by like 10, 15 yards. So he's probably going to have to get some type of shoulder uh, procedure done this offseason, which I wouldn't be shocked if they don't announce that really by the end of the week that he's going to get his shoulder worked on. So the Eagles will be back. Um the NFC, I mean, they're the probably the path of the least resistance. Like, if you ask me what Pat Mahomes got to go through, I mean, hell, with even within his division, you got Justin Herbert, you got Joe Burrow, you got Josh Allen, um, you still got Lamar Jackson, wherever the hell he ends up winding up, where, wherever he ends up going. So the AFC, I'm not gonna say it's um, you know, it's not likely, but it's definitely not as easy as it would be as in like the NFC. So the Super Bowl, man, it was a great game. Um, we got this. We're witnessing Michael Jordan. I'm telling you all right now, we are witnessing Michael Jordan. So just embrace it, enjoy it, and just let it ride. Don't. I, I'm just saying that he is not the. I'm not gonna put him in the same zip code as Tom Brady because Tom Brady at this point is just a mythical figure. Like he is just gonna be. That's just gonna be something that you just can't touch. And that's cool. And that's all right. So you know, Pat Mahomes is gonna be able to be Pat Mahomes. He's gonna be the Mike. You know, he's gonna be the Michael Jordan. Whatever he ends up with, as long as it's more than four Super Bowl rings, that's gonna be the benchmark. So if he gets four or five, we're gonna be talking about Pat Mahomes. And this is how it is. So that's how that's how I felt the Super Bowl went. Um, I think. We are looking at a dynasty, barring whatever Andy Reid decides to do. Also, what Eric Bielemi of the uh, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs is going to be very, very interested in how that dynamic goes. Um, Andy Reid's got, what, two championships now in the last four years. I mean, he can kind of ride off in the sunset. He ain't no spring chicken. So, you know, I'm pretty sure he wants to just be sitting somewhere with a Hawaiian shirt on eating a whole bunch of cheeseburgers pretty soon. So, we'll see. But I think... Uh, the Michael Jordan of the NFL, he, he ain't done anytime soon, so we'll see. But um, with that being said, I did the show last. The show usually drops every Monday. LeBron James dropped that 38. He broke the all-time scoring record Tuesday. And I didn't really get to talk about it. And I know we a little bit, almost damn near a week late. I actually was going to do a podcast Friday, Thursday or Friday. It was really going to be thursday but just got caught up with some other stuff um was really really busy and just wasn't able to do it so we i looked over i mean really friday thursday i feel like i was working two jobs i was working my regular job and my phone really starting wednesday night was was blowing up and i got somebody that hit me up i was in bed actually and somebody hit me up and was like yo kd is about to go to the phoenix suns and i said what this got to be fake news and this person sent me the link and they were like, hey, you'll see. And so about 15 minutes later, I actually started seeing it on Twitter. 
when I saw it on, saw it on Twitter with Woj and I think my man Shams, I was like, okay. And then uh, SVP goes off and, you know, the breaking news alert comes down. And I was like, oh, okay, well, then it's real. Right, okay, I'm tracking now. So I saw that happen. Um, before that, we saw number two, who plays for the Dallas Mavericks, who's formerly known as number 11 of the Brooklyn Nets. We saw this fool basically blow up the entire league. And for some reason, the world has to stop for this idiot. And yeah, I'm going to call him an idiot because he is that. Now, I felt like he, what was that? There was a game against the Celtics that got busted over the head. They lose. He brings up some weird stuff. So next thing you know it, he's asking for a trade, which is really weird. But I'm not, I'm not surprised that he says that he wanted a new deal. Doesn't get the new deal, so he wants a trade. Whatever. So now K, KD out of the middle of nowhere... He, he requests, I guess, him and the Suns have been working behind the scenes for a new for a trade for him to go to the Suns, where the Suns really didn't give up, I'm not going to say really didn't give up nothing. They gave up Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson for KD and Jay Crowder. I forgot about that. And Jay Crowder for KD and a whole bunch of first-round draft picks. Now, here's the thing. You saw a lot of draft get, picks getting swapped around. And I think I brought it up last week as well on my show where I was talking about draft picks are just basically, I'd rather have FTX uh, currency right now that I would uh, draft picks draft picks the NBA draft right now is probably the most biggest crapshoot if you want to just go to the slot machines and just throw all your money away and just think that you're going to get something out of it that is the NBA draft ladies and gentlemen um, I'm thinking about this year's draft alone number one overall pick Palo Bancaro who, who's solid he, he's solid my man Chet Holmgren, who had a lot of red flags before he, the number two overall pick, he had a lot of red flags just based off the fact that he had went to Gonzaga. And Gonzaga has been pretty, pretty, uh, I'm not going to say overrated. But yeah, they are overrated. They're the Notre Dame of football. They're the college football version or college basketball version of what Notre Dame is in football. All hype, no action. And then you got a whole bunch of players that come to the league and just have a case in the lemon booty, just don't show up. So you got Chet Holmgren, who didn't even play, who hasn't, who's out all the season. Who's probably I'm not I'm not sold on him. So if you look at the last few drafts, it's they're not deep drafts. Um, if you really don't have the top, I'm gonna be generous and say five five picks. If you're not within the top five, if you don't have a top five pick, anything below that, you are literally just playing. You don't know what you're doing. Um, it ain't enough talent that you can see. College basketball isn't what it once was, where you can actually gauge the you know gauge and actually see. Which, what kind of prospects you got because everyone's either one day in the transfer portal and usually if you're in the transfer portal after your first year that probably means that you just ain't good enough to go to the pros that's used that's just what it is i'm sorry you know you can talk about what about steph curry he went to a mid-major dame dollar went to a mid-major cj mccollum went to a mid-major so if you take away the mid-major players if you're going to these uh, blue bloods these bluegrass blue blood schools like kentucky kansas um duke north carolina uh even up to a certain point, maybe even Syracuse. Like, if you're not going to one of them type of schools, then, you, I mean, you know, someone else, somebody behind you, one of these new recruits, they're going to come back in and take your spot. So, that being said, you saw a lot of draft picks being moved around. And I'd rather have FTX currency, to be honest with you. I, I don't, if I am the Brooklyn Nets, you got to, like, we got to start holding the Brooklyn Nets organization accountable. They are by far probably the dumbest organization in basketball. You can't ask, you can't get five draft picks in return for Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. The Suns are probably going to make a very, very deep playoff run. 
And even if they're in the playoffs, that means you're getting a mid to late first round draft pick, which means that now you're really just taking really a glorified second round draft pick who may or may not pan out in the league. No, you need players. And you can say, well, you got Mikael Bridges back and you got uh, Cam Johnson. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna keep it a buck. I think Mikael Bridges. Like this is the best we're gonna see. What Mikael Bridges was is what he is now. What he is is what he's gonna be. I don't see him being getting any better. Cam Johnson, same thing. What he is is what he is. If he was any better, then they would be still with the Phoenix Suns. So with that being said, um, you saw those trades. You also saw good riddance. James Wiseman of the Golden State Warriors leaving. Um, I've been said that from the. I, I've been on this ever since James Wiseman's rookie season. I have been saying, get rid of James Wiseman, get something in return, because the experiment of trying to win, protect your future and invest in your future and winning now, those are two different things that you just can't do at the same time. They kind of got they, the Warriors kind of got lucky last year by being able to do it, and the only reason why they were able to do it a little bit is because they had Otto Porter coming off the bench. Dead Gary Payton the second that kind of anchored down the bench where you was able to have like a Jonathan Kaminga. But if you think about it. During the playoffs, a lot of those, especially during like the Western Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, a lot of them kids didn't get a lot of burn. Moody didn't get a lot of burn. Kaminga didn't get a lot of burn. So it was really just, I mean, especially in the finals, I think they went on like a eight-man rotation or something like that. It wasn't a deep bench, which was kind of weird because they've been known off of strength and numbers, but they didn't have a deep bench last year going into the playoffs or going into the finals. So the Warriors finally get, and now the Warriors got back in return, essentially Gary. So you basically, the Warriors basically traded away Gary Payton, James Wiseman for Gary Payton the second. I mean, no shade to Gary Payton. I think the Warriors getting rid of Gary Payton was a money move. I'm pretty sure they wanted to welcome him back. But the fact that James Wiseman was technically a $100, $100 million bounty um, kind of made things a little bit difficult with the luxury tax. Now, you know, they don't have to own that fifth-year option. They don't have to put them on a rookie max max extension. And they're able to get Gary Payton back on, like, I think it's a two-year, $20 million deal. Something like that. But the thing about the James Wiseman deal was, and like I said, going back to why I wanted him gone, one red flag was the fact that he only played, I believe, seven games at the University of Memphis under Penny Hardaway. Some allegations of some cheating and things like that. Probably no fault to his own. But you really didn't know what you were going to get. He tears his meniscus. He's out the entire year. There were rumblings in the, within the Warriors organization that I can confirm that he didn't even know how to set screens. Okay? He didn't even know how to set an NBA screen. All of those things, you're not going to be able to get better playing in the G League. You're not going to be able to get better playing in garbage time. You kind of got to be able to get out there and just take some lumps and figure things out. And with the Golden State Warriors right now in win-now mode trying to salvage the season that has just been a straight disaster from, you know, the freak Steph Curry accidents to, you know, getting these young Thundercats to play some ball and getting some burn while they shouldn't really be getting some burn. It's really been biting them in the butt. So I've been said that they should have got rid of James Wiseman before the season began because his, I mean, like I said, this is not a knock on Gary Payton the second, but. James Wiseman basically was, was worth only Gary Payton II, a former number one, number two overall draft pick. So, again, the Warriors may have fumbled this bag, but I'm just going back and thinking about all these trades that took place. Who do I think got better? I don't know if the Mavericks got better. We just saw Saturday night, and everyone can say, well, it was their first game, and it was against, this, you know, they should beat the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, but Sacramento Kings, they're third in the West right now, and they haven't really been losing. 
And now the fact that number two and Luca are back together and they're playing and they lost in overtime, I'm just saying that they're going to have to punt a couple of games away to figure this thing out. So I'm not going to be super duper sold on them boys. And who's to say? There's still some 20 some odd games left. We don't know what number two of the Dallas Mavericks is going to do. He may come up with some crazy, my dog gave my homework excuse and just vanish. I don't know. It's just his MO. Now, as far as the Los Angeles Lakers, I watched that game a little bit Saturday night, the Lakers against the Warriors, and the pickup I do like is the Roy Hachimura one. I think he's a guy that can come off the bench for them, give him anywhere between 12 to 16 points, grab anywhere between six to six to nine rebounds off the bench for them is really, really good. D'Lo, um, if it's a one-year, if it's a rest-of-the-year rental with the hopes of trying to get number two of the Dallas Mavericks to come over, Maybe, but he is playing for a contract, and this is his third team in three years, I believe. No, Nets, Warriors, Timberwolves, and now back to the Lakers. So he's been on four teams in like the last three years, so he needs to figure out what he's going to do and try to figure out where is home for him because he's been living out of a U-Haul truck the last few years. So I'm pretty sure he needs to step his game up. Now, how good does this make the Lakers? Like I said, I think the Mavericks are better. They got a lot better. Um, even if I don't know if that was the right move, they still got a lot better. Like, number two is a baller. If you are talking about the Phoenix Suns, I mean, damn, if you want to crown them, crown them. You almost possibly can do that just based off the fact that you probably got the most single-handedly best role player to, to come over there with Kevin Durant. It's just a matter of can, all them, can Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul all stay healthy. That's going to be the question mark. Devin Booker always seems to have like a bad hamstring. Chris Paul, same thing. And Kevin Durant, I mean, he is in year 16. And he's shown that he's a year 16 player. So, um, But do I think that's the best team in the West right now? Besides the Denver Nuggets, whew, I think so. Um, and now with the football, you know, now with NFL being over, I can talk a lot more about basketball. And one thing I have noticed right now, like based off the few games I've seen, I don't know if this is good basketball that we're watching. I'm going to keep it a buck. When you got a 20-some-odd point lead, you should be able to sustain that and keep that and do what you need to do. There's too many 20-point leads being given up. There's really little to no defense being played. I mean, I'm looking at scores all, all day long where I'm looking at 120s, 130s, damn near on a, on a, on a nightly basis, which is kind of weird. And then you got a Western Conference right now where you practically got outside of the Rockets, Spurs, and Thunder. Hell, even the Lakers to a certain extent. Outside of them four teams, you got 11 teams that can go anywhere from spot number 11 or shoot all the way up to number three. The perfect example is the New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans, I believe, was either second or third in the conference. They lost 10 games in a row, and I think they're on, right now, I think they're on the outside looking in. Now you got Booger McFarlane's son out here eating on these damn beignets in Zion Williamson over there in Cafe Dumont who's going to be sitting out for another few weeks after re-aggravating his hamstring. And, 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 and I am the biggest Zion Williamson fan. Like I think he is a generational talent, but he is starting to become a flight risk. Like, bro, like how are you out here just re-hurting your hamstring again? And now you're not going to be able to, like you're almost punting away another promising season for the New Orleans Pelicans. And I thought the New Orleans Pelicans last year, they were that team that was like, all right, they had a very, very spirited first round against the Suns. They could have used that moment. I'm like, they could have used that momentum. They have the experience to now. You're bringing in probably one of the top 
10 to 15 players in the league when healthy in Zion Williamson to come in and kind of be that anchor. And it just has not. He can't stay on the court. Hell, he can't be on the court. Brandon Ingram lost, missed out on the boatload of games this year. So now you're looking at the Pelicans like, damn, well, what they what they going to do? Because now they're on the outside looking in. So I don't know what the long-term game is going to be for them. But if we're talking about just overall quality of the league this year, it hasn't been that good. I hate to burst y'all bubble, but it just ain't been that good. Um, I don't know if too much player empowerment is a good thing. I I tend to lean towards the latter where it's just been a lot of just bickering and a little bit of entitlement. And people are saying, well, you know, owners can, you know, what about all these owners that are just trading the players away? I mean, if you got your job and, and you ain't doing right, either one, you're going to get you're going to get left behind or two. They probably going to move you to the to the department where they got nothing but the dirt bags and they can't really get rid of you just yet. But they got you in the in the filing cabinet section where they know that your days are numbered, where they kind of put you in a corner where they're like, all right, man, either either quit or we're going to fire you. We're going to let you choose, but you probably should quit. It probably just looks better for that way. So all these all these people that are saying, well, you know, what about these owners that should be trading away these players? I mean, I was in the military. They they put me to different duty stations. I didn't just get to stay at one place just because I wanted to. I mean, you, if you're lucky enough, you might be able to pull that off, but it's slim and none. So I, I just think that this year's NBA has been a little bit weird. Now, I will say this, Boston, I mean... You take away the Phoenix Suns, I think Boston. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I said, man, if Boston don't win an NBA championship this year, I think this season is a bust for them. Like, they are just outside of the Bucks. I think outside of the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, in the Eastern Conference, outside of the Bucks, I have no faith in Philly just based off the fact that Doc Rivers is a coach. If you told me, oh, I don't know. Mark Jackson was the coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. I would have him. I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. I, I see where you're going with that. If you told me Don Nelson was the coach for the Philadelphia 76ers, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. I see where you're going with that. But the fact that Glenn, Glenn Rivers is the coach for the, for the 76ers, I ain't got no faith in that dude. Um, he's showing me way too much that he can't, you know, outside. He, he ain't got it. He ain't got it no more. 2008 was a long time ago, baby, as far as that, uh, that championship with the Celtics. So that was a long, long time ago. That's that, it's almost 15 years. It was actually 15 years ago since he won his last finals. Come on, man. You know, he ain't nothing but the Mike McCarthy of the NFL. Somebody who won a championship in a long time ago, a, a very long time ago, that is in a storied franchise like the Philadelphia 76ers, trying to relive some magic, and it just ain't working. So congrats to so I don't that's the reason why I don't believe in the 76ers. I don't know about the Cavs. I'd like to think the Cavs are faux real, but I don't know how I don't know how they'll stack up against the Celtics. I don't know how they'll stack up against the Bucks. Now, I think they're legit. I think that Donovan uh, Donovan Mitchell going to the Cavs was a huge, 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 huge benefit for both him and the Cavs. Like I ain't gonna lie, I thought Donovan Mitchell was low-key kind of lemon booty. I don't think he'd have worked in the Knicks, but I think he fits the very a very very good system with the Cavs. You got uh, Darius Garland, who was an All Star. You got uh, Jared Allen, who was an All Star star last year. You got Evan Mobley, who was a dog, and then you also got a nice little couple of complimentary pieces. You got Rubio coming off the bench. You still got Kevin Love. They got some things that they can work with over there. I just don't know if they have the experience just yet. As long as injuries don't kill them, I think they might be able to make some things happen. But as far as the Western Conference goes. Them teams going to be so tired of beating each other up. 
And at the end of the day, I think the Nuggets got something in them that 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 that, that star is twinkling just a little different this year. And I mean, at this point, I can't see how somebody's going to dethrone Phoenix just based off of what they just pulled off. So we're going to definitely talk about things. Um, we got the NBA All-Star Weekend coming up this weekend. Um, we're going to have the dunk contest, three-point shootout, all that good jazz. So we're going to definitely talk about some things. I think next Monday on the show, we will talk about my midseason winner, award winners, MVP, and things like that. But, yeah, you've been listening to the Sports Business Podcast. Once again, my name is Eric Compton, a.k.a. Money Compton. This podcast is available on all platforms, so wherever you get it, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Before we get up out of here, though, we definitely got to talk about the dummy of the day. Now, I don't know if y'all was noticing the Super Bowl last night, but it was a whole lot of slipping and sliding. You would have thought that they was out here playing in, I don't know, Miami during hurricane season. But there was not only one in an enclosed roof dome, but two. I read an article today. They were talking about how players had to switch out their cleats. I think when the kicker for the Eagles on the kickoff, he almost looked like he broke his ankle just kicking the ball off the tee. There was players out here slipping and sliding, and it just looked like it. Again. I like you literally thought that you was playing in. They were playing in a rainy game, and I can't think of a game that I saw where the field conditions were that bad on a on a climate controlled game. And I saw an article on SB Nation, and SB Nation actually puts out really, really good pieces of um, different sports stories in a different perspective. And they they talked about how the NFL for the last two years dropped eight hundred thousand dollars on that field that they played on last night, and that's what you got to show for. Somebody getting fired right now. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Somebody is getting fired on site. And then my thing is this. Damn, how, you mean to tell me $800,000 went to a football field and they had to take care of it for two years? What are we doing? Like you, I know they want the field to be looking good with the logos and they got the special Super Bowl logos and things like that on each 25-yard line. But dang, they could have did it. You mean to tell me that they did all that just for them foods to be out here slipping and sliding? They had people out here trying to uh, pick up all the divots of the field. They had the grounds crew walking around and things like that during halftime. But dang. That was, I mean, that guy needs to be fired. And what makes me even more worried is next year the Super Bowl is going to be here in Las Vegas. Las Vegas plays on natural playing surfaces, grass. They got the same concept of growing their grass outside and then getting it rolled in from the Arizona Cardinals where the Super Bowl was held at yesterday. Which leads me to think, are we about to have the same issues next year? And then my thing is this, where is this grass being grown at that takes two years for it to look like that? I mean, the field, like I said, the field looked amazing. I feel look beautiful, but I'm trying to figure out where here in Vegas they're going to do that, like, because they only have one surface to play on. So the NFL, they dropped the ball on this. And the fact that they spent $800,000 for a slip and slide fest makes it even that much worse. So, yeah, the NFL, whoever the grounds crew is, whoever was in charge of that. Yeah, you are the dummy of the day. You had one job, bro. One stinking job. And the fact that you dropped $800,000, man, ugh, it's, it's just wild. But anyways. Once again, my name is Eric Compton. You've been listening to the Sports Business Podcast. I appreciate everybody rocking with me. We do the show about once a week. Until then, we're going to run it back next week. I'll talk to you all then.